Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Welcome to Marriage and Martinis. Today we have my sister, Amy, Amy Alpert, life coach, life coach Amy Alpert. I never know which way to say it. But uh, she's here today because I, well, Adam and I brought Mia to school now two, three days ago. I'm not sure. Obviously, I'm feeling all the emotions, uh, happiness being proud or pride, I guess, um, just feeling like now maybe uh, I can focus a little bit more on some stuff that I've been putting on the back burner, which feels good, but also, of course, I have no one to watch Heartstopper with now, and I live in a house full of boys, which, yeah, is going to be tough, um, but Amy, my much older sister, (laughs) gets me pretty much through everything. And um, I think one of the benefits of being a youngest sibling, and there are many benefits to being a youngest sibling, um, is that I get to watch my older brother and my older sister do everything first, and I reap the benefits of everything they've learned. Um, and they happen to be incredible humans. And they happen to be raising fabulous kids. So um, I just kind of try to do whatever they're doing. Like, I don't have any of my own parenting ideas. I just sort of just do whatever that you guys do. True. That's not true. Um, but I, I do have to say that I... Knowing, number one, that I get to follow you guys in pretty much everything. Well, first of all, for a long time, that was terrible. Because, like, in high school, as the third and the quote-unquote, you know, black sheep and bad kid, I'd walk into a class. And after about a week, when the the teachers had put two and two together, they'd be like, wait a minute. (laughs) you're Mitch and Amy's sister? That cannot be. Because you guys were like great students and you were so well behaved and you were just all the things that I wasn't. So sometimes it was hard. But in this case, it's fabulous because, um, you know, I am always watching you guys and seeing what you're doing. And so like in every big life event, I really turn to you during this, especially number one, you've put two kids into college one just graduated and moved to New York City and is on to the next one just started his sophomore year and um not only that but you know as a life coach you deal a lot with change and um and preparing oneself for big life changes and everything um and so that was really great to be able to turn to you for all the advice um so I thought we could talk a little bit Adam and I will also talk um from our point of view, maybe next episode about taking Mia. But I wanted to also just give everybody else a chance to have your wisdom and your knowledge. And now a little bit my wisdom and knowledge now that I've been through it. Um, So I guess we could start at the fact of, you know, when you're about to have a major change, like sending your kids to college and everything, there are all these things that you can't expect. But are there things sort of obviously that you can expect when major life changes happen? And how can we prepare ourselves even in the years leading up to it and everything? Is that a question for me? Sure. Oh. You want it to be a question? Sure. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So it was very exciting to see Mia go off to school. Like, that was just the most incredible thing because you saw such a transformation so shortly before college, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, you got on it. You were like, oh, shit, college is coming. 
she's lacking certain skill sets and we need to figure it out. And you did. Yeah, I think it was definitely a team effort and it took a village. But for sure, it got got to the point where, you know, we even said to her last summer, if people listened to the Pivot episodes, and I think I always say they're wonderful episodes. I think every parent should listen to them, even if you're not a parent. Um, But when she went away and came back within, you know, two days to a summer program. Um, And when she came back, I really, it was a lot of tough love for a little bit. It was a lot of, you know, you're looking at all these colleges and everything, but I don't know that that's the path for you. And I don't know that that's going to be a realistic journey for you. And, And we need to start exploring other options, which I think is a great you know, I do not believe that every kid needs to go to college, right? And I, you know, and I do not believe that um, <clears throat> that we need to push kids, you know, in a direction that they are going to struggle really, really hard with. And at that moment, I was like, she's going to struggle really hard. If we, if she were to go to college now, she, I don't think she'd survive. Um, and so, you know, I did say that to her, but she also had, you know, an Oprah-esque speak, an aha moment. And she really, you know, I mean, it took a while, but she really had, um, you know, a lot of transformative, like, situations and thoughts and happenings to help to steer her in the direction that she really, really wanted to go into. But I think you, you always say this, that, that Mia has her fan club, right? Like, there's a group of friends that just totally everybody supports her and you've you've helped create a village for her and I think you know that's one of the best things that our kids can learn is I mean I love that Gabrielle texts you and I always your daughter yeah yeah my daughter Gabrielle she's 22 now but she'll text Danielle and try to get um you know for questions that maybe I'm not as good at answering or she'll text dad for medical Mm-hmm. advice you know mm-hmm. she'll call me about some medical thing I'm like I don't know call right. your call Zeta he knows mm-hmm. and she'll just now she skips me and goes straight to him and I just think like that's one of the biggest gifts we can give our kids is whether it's a therapist or an aunt or a grandparent or a neighbor or whomever yeah right like knowing how to get help when you need help and and knowing how to ask for help that was actually one of the top things that when I did, you know, we both, you and I both did a little research for this. Mm-hmm. That was one of the top things. Like knowing how to get help when you need it is a form of resourcefulness. Yeah. And, and resilience. And I think that when we, when my kids were growing up, you know, a lot of people will never let their kids, unless it's a grandparents, they, they won't go on a trip and leave them with other people or, um, you know, they don't let them do sleepovers. And I know everybody has their reasons for certain things, but I was always very much of the mind frame that there are things that I am terrible at, right? I am terrible at, you know, keeping up with the house. I am terrible at appointments. I am terrible um, at, you know, basic, like, uh, what's the word? Etiquette type of things. Even though my kids are very well-mannered and everything, I am. And I always thought to myself, you know, I cannot teach them this. And you know, at, at your house, they learn something. And at, you know, our brother and sister-in-law's house, they learn something. At their grandparents, at their babysitter who they had since they were, you know, since they were born. At, I mean, all these other people who they're going to pick up skills from that we can't give them. And that's one of the benefits of, I think, being a little more... Um, you know, laid back about letting your kids go and and stay somewhere else, right? Not being with you all the time. Because when they're with you all the time, they're learning the same skills, you know? Yeah, I feel like there are people who they always have to host the play dates when their kids are little. And Mm -hmm. it's really a shame because they go to somebody else's house and it's not done the same way, but they can learn a lot from how it's done a different way. And how else, I mean, and this is one of the main things about getting your kids ready for college that I think in retrospect, I did some things right, I did some things wrong, but um, just seeing, you don't wanna say, okay, I'm gonna protect them from everything and when they're 18, I'm gonna send them off and they're gonna figure it out. 
Like there have to be little moments where they figure it out along the way so that they learn how to figure out things so when they get to college, they have that skill set. They have that confidence that, okay, I can figure this out because they figured things out in the past. And just even just going to other people's houses and having to navigate that when they're younger is a big skill set. Mm-hmm. How to ask for what you want, how to, you know, be away from your parents for a little while. I do think those those are, that's a small step you could do. If you're listening right now and you have a toddler or uh, elementary school kid, these are things that you can start to cultivate before they go off to college and they build on each other. Yeah, I agree. I think every kid at some point, you know, maybe they're not, you know, maybe you don't want to do it when they're as young, but I definitely recommend, I think each person before they go off to college or they reach that next, you know, quote unquote adult time of life, 18 plus, which is ridiculous that we call them adults at 18. But I do think that every single person needs to go away, right? Whether it be, you know, it could be anything. It could be, um, you know, a boy or girl scout function for, you know, a long weekend, or it could be sleepaway camp, you know, they could go on a vacation with a friend or something where they are away from you and cannot count on you even if they can text you and everything you are not there navigating right you are not there to say you know can she have a glass of water or you know is it okay if she uses this restroom or like they need to speak up for themselves even from a young age you know if they need something they gotta ask for it and I do think as basic as that sounds it is Something that a lot of kids can't do, they don't know how to ask for what they need, right? I even have some of my, my kids' friends. I mean, they're good friends. No, when they come here, they just raid our pantry and it's fine. But I have had kids here who I know, you know, will whisper to, you know, one of my kids, can you ask your mom if I can have... And well, I that's because get- you're really intimidating. Totally intimidating, <laughs> 100%. But I do... You know, I, of course, I say to them, like, just, you know, just go get it or you can ask me or whatever. And I know that it takes time and kids are uncomfortable. But I think that takes practice, right? Asking for things. Take, look, we still struggle with asking for things, you know, in our 40s and 50s. And, you know, it's always hard to ask for something. So I think by having them do it, even even in high school when Mia was having so much trouble you know, navigating the world, I remember her therapist saying to me, you need to have her go in every single time you are at Starbucks or you are at Dunkin' Donuts or wherever. She needs to order for herself. She needs to figure out payment. She needs to figure out, you know, navigating all of that, even those little things, right? She needs to call and make her haircut appointment. All of those things that we do that then, you know, they don't know how. And I also think, though, just to for the people with younger kids, like sometimes they're just not ready for certain things. Like I, I look at when I, I always tell Gabrielle, when I wrote her kindergarten note to the teacher, you know how you're supposed to tell your kindergarten teacher about the kid? I was like, she will be last in line for everything. She will just always be last. She won't push her way to the front. I mean, That is not who she is now. Uh, Yeah. And I'm not even sure I can take much credit for it or that there was any specific parenting style. I think she did just sort of grow up and change in certain ways. Like there are things that I think, you know, like you're saying. Natural. Yeah. Like a maturity thing. Yeah. Oh, definitely. So it's like, don't beat yourself up if your six-year-old still won't go and order coffee at Starbucks. Well, if they're ordering coffee for you, I guess. But like, you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, you like, need to wait for certain right, things. Right. Like we don't need to be, I, we're not trying to create stress. Yeah, 100%. On parents. Like anxiety. there's a right way to do this. Mm-hmm. Like, but these are just things like, it's just as important that they can advocate for themselves or ask or make an order for themselves or whatever, as it is to know two plus two. Like, I think mm-hmm. that's where things are a little bit skewed is that we're so focused, so, so not not everybody, but a lot of parents are very focused on the academics mm-hmm. and, you know. And the extracurriculars. And the extracurriculars, yeah. 100%. So it's like, don't forget those basic life skills. Yeah. Shouldn't get lost in that because you need to get to soccer practice on time so you don't want them to order because it will take too long. Mm. Like, those are the things I think with our busy lifestyles that sometimes get missed. Well, busy lifestyles and the fact that 
we technology does everything for you now. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I remember you saying to me one time because Mia would automatically when she got into the car, she would put her 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 earbuds in all the time. And I remember like a year or two before she got her license, I remember you saying to me, you need to stop letting her do that all the time. She needs to start paying attention. And I remember, you know, that was a big thing that, you know, saying to her, you need to take out your ear and you need to focus on where we're going and what I'm doing and why I'm, you know, waiting at a light or a sign or this or that. And, you know, it was something that I hadn't thought of that they are so wired into this automatic pilot, um, you know, that they don't have to navigate so many things. And especially after the pandemic, they lost so much time of navigating, right? That it's even a little bit more like we're making up for lost time. But that was one thing, you know, she would get in the car, she would put her earbuds in, and it would be like her relaxation time. And and it got to a point where it was sort of like, wait a minute, she needs to know how to do these things. And we started doing that at airports, um, even at the, we took her to New York the other at the, at the train station. We were telling her to make sure she was watching yep. what we were doing on the subway, and you know, just those little things that you don't think of because, again, like you said, you want to get somewhere, and you don't, you know, and you're rushing. Right, your kid's quiet in the back, and you're happy. A hundred percent. And also the fact that you have GPS, or you know, they have whatever the app is that will do everything for them. Well, there are going to be times when they don't have that. And one of the things, you know, both of my kids did not like step into college and like have it figured out. I mean, not that any kid does, but I think, you know, it took them a little while to find their people. And I think, you know, one of the main skill sets that somehow they learned was patience and resilience. So it took them a little while to find their right friends, but they didn't give up Mm. and they kept on trying to find different ways to meet the right people. Like Gabrielle heard something about the sailing club. So she did that. And and she'd never sailed before. She just and wanted she to do. And she never sailed. Right. She was a softball player. So like that was a totally random thing. Mm-hmm. But she heard that they were really nice people and they had a lot of fun. Mm. So she took, the, she joined the club having no idea how to sail. I don't know that she does now, four years late, five years <laughs> later. <laughs> I don't think she's ever learned really. Mm-hmm. But it was like, okay, she was like, okay, I can, I'm, I don't need to be good at it. I can go be Follow mediocre, directions. do whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think that that really helped her. Mm. And I think, you know, with Hudson, my son, I do think he, he understood patience. Like he understood that, okay, this might take a little while. And so sometimes he was bored. And sometimes he didn't have something to do. But for whatever reason, he was able to survive that. And I wonder, you know, if that's a skill set we can be teaching our kids when they go off. And also just to warn them, it's going to take time. You're going to need patience. It's not going to happen. It looks like everybody, and this is what I always say, say to your kids, it looks like everybody's best friends and everybody's found their best friend. But of course they haven't mm-hmm. because friendships take a while to cultivate and you don't always find the right people. But it looks that way because they're taking selfies and they're laughing together. Maybe they're dancing or whatever. But that doesn't mean that they're actually good friends yet. Yeah. And that's when social media is the devil. Yeah. So bad. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Yeah. You look at your friends in social media and they're having the best time ever when you find out over Thanksgiving break that they actually had a really hard exactly. start. Exactly. Yeah. 100%. And I think that's another thing that my son really had was really lucky with was his friends from high school were really honest. So nobody was pretending it was easier than it was. So he didn't feel alone. Mm. So I think that, you know, that those authentic friendships from high school also, you know, really help. And I think that we're doing our kids a disservice by saying these are the best four years Mm -hmm. of your life. Mm -hmm. I I mean, I truly believe that, first of all, who wants to think that college is going to be the best for, I want the best four years of your, or the best years of your life to be, you know, all throughout Mm -hmm. your life at different moments at different times. And we all know there's no best four years, right? Shit happens Mm -hmm. every month, every, you know, there's and I don't want I didn't want my I didn't want Mia going to school nor do I want my boys starting the new school that they're starting thinking that if it's not smooth sailing and if you know it's not the greatest thing ever at first especially and even all throughout right I I think that 
I want them to know that's it's they're not doing it wrong you know I mean it's life is hard every situation is hard and every situation is wonderful uh, you know and there it's a mixed bag and I think the second we say it's the best four years then we automatically are setting them up to think that if it's not that they've somehow failed or you know done it wrong when that is so not the case and also you know part of the growth that happens in college are the hard times the fact that you can get through them the fact that you can look back and be like oh i figured that out or you know something like that so um and i also think in terms of the preparation i wish i had known when my kids were going through hard times growing up that this was actually magical because this is when they develop the muscles to, mm. to have resilience. This is when they learn how to handle things. So it's like little practice runs that you get when kids are mean to them. How do they handle it? When a teacher doesn't, you know, when a teacher doesn't, um, it, when a teacher isn't nice, how do you handle that? When you don't get the grade you think you deserve, how do you handle that? All of these little challenges along the way or you don't make the team, or you don't get the it's part. It's that blessing of a skin knee. Yes. Kind of. Yeah. Or the blessing of the B minus. Exactly. Or, yeah. Exactly. It's like those little moments that we sometimes try to f- clean up too quickly for them and try to fix too quickly because we don't like the way it feels when they're sad. Those are the moments that when they're on their own in college, they've developed a little bit of resilience mm. around. Mm-hmm. Or grit. What do they call it? Grit. There's a whole book about grit. Yeah. And I think that's the whole idea. These... these we need to let them have those moments, let them be sad, let them feel lonely, let their feelings get hurt, all of those things that just happen naturally in life, but especially in childhood. And that's those things grow. So when they encounter that, when they encounter a failing or something like that in college, it's not like this brand new thing that they've never seen before that they're unfamiliar with. Right. Even oh, if it's a different right. kind of failing, they've dealt with failure before. Mm-hmm. Oh, my kids have, they're, they're ready, man. (laughs) (laughs) They're ready. All right, let's take a break and we'll be right back. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. So for those people who are out there in the same situation as Adam and I are and just dropped our first kid or our second kid or whatever, um... What kind of advice do you give now to that transition into, oh, my God, that kid isn't here anymore? Whether, you know, maybe you're empty nesters, maybe you're not empty nesters, but now you're dealing with having a little more time on your hands. Maybe. I don't know. I'm hoping. (laughs) (laughs) So, well, there's two pieces to that question, I guess. The first is, okay, what's your relationship look like with your kid now that they're at school, right? Is that sort of what you're asking? Yeah, all of it. All of it. Okay, so that's question one. So I would say for me, I had two opposite kids. One, my daughter who told me a lot and kept me really in the loop. And then my son who told me nothing. Um, and we had to like schedule phone calls with him. So you literally did. We did. We said Sunday nights and we made him FaceTime because we just thought like seeing him, you know, then you just kind of get a sense. How are they doing? Mm -hmm. Because I think the problem is sometimes kids are struggling and you have no idea. And that's okay if they're able to figure it out. But it's sometimes they need your help. So um, so with my daughter, I don't know if you ever saw um, The Middle. Do you ever watch that show, The Middle? No, but I think Mia did. Oh my God, there's a, it's a great scene where the oldest daughter, who is hilarious, goes off to college and she's calling her parents constantly. And they talk about ferberizing. Remember when your kids, are you a different generation? No, ferberizing when you may let your kids tr- when you cry, let your it kids out. cry it out. So they would basically ferberize her. Like they would let her call and not answer. Oh my God. <laughs> 
<laughs> new really phone who dis. Yeah, it's like yeah, <laughs> totally. So it was brilliant, right? Uh-huh. And that was more like my daughter. Like I had to sometimes just be like, okay, um, you can figure this out. Right. You don't need me for this. And so I sort of had to create some boundaries, which is really hard because every time she would call, I would want to make sure she was okay. And it also was nice to connect with her. So it's sort of like, fi- and then with my son, we had to create that FaceTime rule because otherwise I wouldn't have heard from him. So I think it's knowing your kid and knowing you, like how much do you need to hear from them? And then I would also, one question I would ask myself is, am I asking this question, like when you would talk to your kids, to reassure myself? Mm. And I think that's a really good question to ask yourself. So if you say, you know, have you made new friends? I'm asking that question to reassure myself that my kid has made new friends. But that may not be what my kid wants to talk about yet. They may not be at a point where they want to share whether they've made yeah. new friends. Oh, my God, or, that's so hard for me. Right. So it's sort of like, no, every kid's different, right? Some kids you could ask that question and it's no big deal. But you need to know sort of where your kid's at emotionally at that moment. And so my son will literally say to me, you have lost your privileges. You have asked too many (laughs) questions. And I have to like, and I said to him, I was like, you need to know for every one text I send you, I wanted to send 8,426. Right, 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 right. Like I have been so good about sending less. So it's just knowing yourself, knowing your relationship with your kid and, um, not falling prey to your own needs. You know, like if your own need is to hear from your kid all the time that they're doing okay, you're going to be in for a rough four years mm. because it's not their job to reassure us. Mm-hmm. It's their job to go and live and, and do their best. And I'm not saying this in a preachy way like I didn't do it because I did mm-hmm. and I still do. But um, but at least I now sort of try to ask questions with that in mind. Like, am I just asking this question just to reassure myself or am I like just trying to have a conversation? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the one piece of sort of navigating that relationship. And um, when your kid does call you with an issue, trying to l- see what they think is the right way to handle it. Because first of all, we don't always know the right way, right? Like we don't know what college is like now. We were in college 25 years plus ago. Thank you for that. But yeah, yeah okay. Right? Like it's totally different. Mm-hmm. So letting them sort of figure things out you can guide, you could be like, wow, is there somebody you could talk to or whatever, but maybe don't be the first one to give a suggestion. Let them give a suggestion first or see where they stand so that they can start to um, figure things out. And then there's times where they do really dumb shit and you really just have to get in there and tell them what to do mm-hmm. <laughs> because, you know, there have been those moments too, even like my kids who I think are pretty well behaved mm-hmm. do dumb shit of course they all do dumb shit totally mm-hmm. so um so that's the piece of the relationship with your kid was that a good yeah I mean definitely I think yeah, now obviously it's so much easier said than totally. done totally and I'm yeah. not again I am not saying these are all things I've done these are all things that I do perfectly but that's my sort of reminder mm-hmm. um and then in ter- I also think um you know I'm an empty nester now so that's a different level of of conversation too, right? My kids are gone. But um, really starting to think about, especially if your primary role has been caregiver, you could think about it from two ways. Either you have a caregiving itch that you need to scratch. So if having your kid away is like, oh my God, I need to caregive in some way, thinking about how to do that, you Mm. know, maybe there's volunteer work or maybe there's, you know, other people you could help. Mm -hmm. But you don't want your kid, you don't want to force your kid into that caregiving role once they're in college. Mm. So, wow, that's so interesting. Yeah. Right? Like if you need to take care of people, how mm. else can you do it? Mm. Like maybe take care of yourself. That's a first step. Right. Um, or like me, kind of, I didn't have the caregiving itch. I was like, okay, I'm happy not caregiving right now. I want to do other things. Um, so I have a lot of people, you know, I, I'm a career coach and a lot of people come to me sort of trying to figure out what career they want when their kids go off to college or maybe they've had a flexible job all this time and now they don't need it to be flexible in the same way or you know maybe they want to think about different ways of using their time so it's sort of like now's a great time to think about okay I've done things a certain way for so long I need to remember why you know like Mm -hmm. maybe I stopped going into the city when my kids were little but actually I can start doing that again. Mm-hmm. 
or I stopped, you know, getting together with, I, I quit book club because it took up too much time or it was in the evenings and I needed to be home, but now I don't. So let me reach out to that book club again. Mm. So there's so many things that we've done because we've been parents that are now open to us again. Right. And getting involved in some of those hobbies again and everything will also keep you from constantly totally. needing to feel like, yeah, I mean, that is one thing that, you know, even though, I mean, look, Mia so far, it's been, I don't know, three days, is doing great. And she, not to say she hasn't called and texted with, I'm having social anxiety or, you know, she, I'm overwhelmed or I'm exhausted. She totally has. But, you know, for the most part, she's meeting people and, you know, she's having a, a pretty good transition so far. I know there's going to be moments where that is not the case. But it is nice that in this time I can now, look, we moved. I have two boys starting school. You know, uh, there's so much other stuff going on that I can kind of shift my focus a little bit. And it does feel a little freeing to be like, okay, there's one kid who I literally cannot plan or do logistics or I can't for her now. Like that is, I'm, that is, that feels liberating Liber in a totally. sense. Totally, liberating was the word I was thinking. Yeah, yeah, it does. It feels liberating in the sense that I, I don't know her school schedule. I don't, you know what I mean? Like there's certain things that I just, I can't make sure she gets to class on time. I can't make sure she's eating healthy foods. I can't, those sort of things now are out of my hands. I can send her a text and say, Make sure you eat healthy foods. It's not going to do anything. No, that's not going to be totally that helpful. But instead, I am sort of like, okay, we prepared her. Not to say, again, <laughs> I know we are going to be in contact a lot, you know, especially once classes start. But I do think that, you know, there is, and they do talk about, I read an article about how you sometimes you have guilt when you're sort of like, I'm, I don't know, they're gone and it feels a little bit good. Mm. Um, I'm, you know, again, of course, I'm sad. I miss, you know, I'm going to miss her so much and the positive things that she brought to our household. But it does feel good. I mean, I've been packing her. I've been figuring out, you know, health stuff. I've been, you know, the last two years have been, I mean, the last 17 years, mm. but the last two to three years especially have been filled with figuring it out. Right. And now she's there. And it's a little bit of holy shit. I can't believe she's there. And, you know, we we did it. <laughs> I mean, she did it, but we did it. Um, and also, like. We did everything we could, you know, and were there th places we failed? A hundred percent. And we will learn that very quickly. If God forbid she needs to like change a tire or, you know, figure out how to call the fire department or whatever it is that those things like literally the last day when I was dropping her off, I was like, I never taught her this. And I never like they were all going through my head at that moment. Um, I mean, we I unpacked her and she texted me not even 20 minutes after I left saying, I have shampoo and conditioner, right? <laughs> and I was like, oh, it's going to be a long four years. <laughs> but, you know, those kinds of things are good. And I think the best thing that we did, not only for Mia, but for ourselves. And, you know, we talk about Adam and I screwing up a lot as parents on the podcast. And I could sit here all day long and do episode after episode of things that we've done wrong. But one thing that I am so proud of us for um, – and and that made, I mean, literally all the difference in the world dropping her off. And, and right now is that we made sure she went to the right fit school. You know, we did not for a second worry about college rankings. And, I don't, you know, we didn't buy a Princeton review book and make sure that, you know, she was applying to the top hundred. Like, none of that. We were very much... When she walked on campus that first day and she was like, this feels like home, <clears throat> obviously you have to go look more than one school, <clears throat> but not for a second were we like, well, you know, you could probably get into a more prestigious school or a more, I mean, she's going to a great school. I'm not, you know, I'm not putting it down, but I think that that focus Rather than it being on, you know, making sure, look, she didn't, she, 
I knew taking the SATs would stress her out way too much. She didn't take them. You know, she's not a straight A student. She's not, you know, she's not a go-getter in an academic. She loves to learn. But, you know, she's not <clears throat> taking all the AP classes. And that would have made both of our lives miserable. So all of those things and the fact that I don't think, look, we pushed her. But I think to a healthy limit. And now she's in a place where I think the academics and the social and the size and the relationships and all of those things are going to be very manageable. Had we left that day in a place where I thought she wasn't going to be able to manage it because we were worried about, you know, the, pres- the prestige or you know, the a legacy or all of the things, I think I would be a basket case right now. So I think that not only for her, but for us, that is the biggest gift we gave ourselves was the gift of no pressure. Yeah. And had she said to us, you know, also when she was going through all the stuff last summer, I don't know if I can go to college. We would have figured it out and she would have done either a gap year or we would have found something. But I think that a little bit, even though you have to push them to some degree, I think following the natural course of who they are in the long run makes your life so much easier and makes this transition so much easier because I know she's where she wants to be. That is so true. And it's funny that you say, because in the beginning you were saying how you learned a lot from Mitch and me, you know, because you were the youngest. But when you became a mom, I learned from you that was one of your biggest strengths is, first of all, having fun, like just being joyous and having fun with kids and also just totally letting them be who they are, mm-hmm. embracing who they are. And I think yeah, I Adam's learned really good at that, too. I really learned that from you. I mean, I think I had that in me a little bit. I think we were raised that way a bit. Mm-hmm. But um, but it was a good reminder to have mm-hmm. that. Um, and I think, yeah, I think that made so much of the difference. And it's funny because on my way here, I was re-listening to um, that book, How to Raise a Grown-Up by Julie... Lithcott Hames, I hope I'm saying that right. Mm-hmm. Um, and you and I both watched her, her TED, TED Talk. talk. Uh-huh. And just to remind ourselves, because th- she is an expert in this. So she, can I talk about her for a of minute? Of course. Yeah, okay. So she um, was a dean of students at Stanford. So she got to see what these freshman kids were like. These, you know, Stanford, I think, accepts like one person a year. And, <laughs> I know. and there's like a million applications. Right. It might be the hardest school to get into ever. Uh-huh. Um, so she got to see what these academically, you know, ridiculous kids were like day to day. And the first story that she tells or the first story I listened to in the book was this one kid got packages delivered to him and they were dropped off in front, but he couldn't lift them. But he didn't know how to ask for help to lift the packages into his. So they just sat there. So mm. the mom had to call the school on his behalf mm. to help him get these packages inside. Now, that's a r- ridiculous, crazy story. But I think what she tries to talk about is the fact that these kids, they have these great academic skills, but they lack life skills. Mm-hmm. And um, she also talks about picking your right fit school. So they had done some sort of poll or study where they asked parents, would you rather your kid go to Yale and be depressed or have some sort of mental health thing or go to, I forget which, it was some state university that was not, you know, a Yale um, or have them be healthy and happy at this other school. And a ridiculous number of parents said Yale. Stop. I swear to God. And I think the reasoning for them was having Yale on your, they'll deal with their mental health stuff. That'll all get resolved. I don't know why they think that, but that was sort of their thinking And then they'll have Yale on their resume. So their life will be easy for them from then on in. So, and I think people think that way. And listen, there are people who belong at Yale and do wonderfully there. Yeah, no, I have nothing against Yale. And have a fantastic, totally. I'm saying like as far as the Ivies go, I mean, we have people in our family who've gone to Ivies and everything. I don't think we need to protect the Ivies. I think they're fine. I know. I'm just saying for the people, like I'm not, but I also am not, you know, look, there are people who thrive and flourish there mm-hmm. but there are also people who do not right 100 <laughs> percent. yeah and and i i think that i think the the warning is and she talks about this that we focus on this really small subset of schools 
that are really hard to get into. And we work our kids' entire childhood with those that small group of schools in mind. If we could just open up our eyes a little bit to more schools than just that one set, Mm -hmm. it will open up kids' childhood so much. Mm. And I don't know how to make that happen. I don't know. You know, I think that it's it's hard. Well, now they are making other, you know, there's the list of um, colleges that change change lives and everything. And there are schools that are less well known on those lists. And I do think that the people are are starting to do the research in a different direction, you know, and obviously very successful people come out of all different kinds of schools and trades and, you know, all that stuff. But I, I, I personally, I think I've said this in another episode, you know, we were raised very much, um, you know, that uh, education and school is very, very important. And we, you know, we all went to very good schools and everything. And there was a split second when I would say where Mia was applying to school or where her first choice was to people. And I would say, you probably haven't heard it, but they are X. Like making it, you know, trying to explain why they were so fabulous. And I do think it's a fabulous school. I don't know why I felt like I had to justify or explain it to anyone. And I did have to, there was a minute where I had to be like, wait a second, who the fuck cares if nobody's heard of it? It's funny because when I say the school that me is at, everybody responds with that's an amazing school. Like they just take such good care of their kids. And right. I guess everybody if you're local who graduates, or, no, they, yeah. yeah, but these are all people around me mm-hmm. and that, and one of the best ways you can know about a school is how people talk about it after they leave. Oh, 100%. And people say, you know, it was such a good spot for them. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I, I do. Yeah. But, you know, I think that there is a second where we have to put ourselves in check and be like, wait a minute, you know, and, and also for our own mental health when they're away. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. I just I and, and there are kids, I think, who probably, you know, are trying to apply to really, really hard schools for their own, yep. you know, and, and we have to sort of maybe help them take a step back and be like, is this really going to benefit you in the long term? Are you going, you know, is it going to be OK for your wellness, for your mental health, for your relationships, all of those things. Um, you know, even when my boys this year were applying to private schools, you know, we've spoken about how they, were, they weren't they were doing great in the, I mean, they did great in the public schools, but socially they were having, you know, some issues. And um, even when I was looking at private schools, you know, it was very much where do they belong. A hundred percent. You know what I mean? It yeah. was very much not just... You know, I mean, of course, you want them to go to a good school, but it was very much what is the community like? What, you know, I don't need to just put them in another school where they're going to struggle just as much. I could do that for free in public school, (laughs) you know, like so it was it was very much um, that I had learned from Mia, you know, when we sent her to her private high school, just in general, right fit is just in the long term, I think, for everyone involved it just makes this whole transition and four years so much easier yeah Mm -hmm. all right let's take another break we'll be right back hey it's danny pellegrino from everything iconic ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget check out quince they've got all the good stuff shirts and polos activewear and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands and the best part They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. So I did a little research uh, about things that your kid should know before they go to college. And there were definitely, I mean, it was a long list. And there were definitely things that I was like, oh, well, there was you know, me definitely didn't know that. And and a little bit, I think the beauty of college is that everybody's dependent on everybody else. And so, you know, you're going to have to ask someone to help you figure it out and they're going to ask you to help them figure something out. And so, you know, if they go down to the laundry room and they don't know how to do it, there will be other people down there or, you know, <clears throat> so there are things that 
look, if they don't right, know. but they need to know how to ask for help. <clears throat> exactly. That's well, actually that's, that's key. the key. Yeah, they need to. And they also need, I think one of the really big things um, that is a skill, not even just a skill, just, just a beautiful part of life, I think, that benefits people so much is to know all the different people in all the different roles where you are, right? Like they always say, you know, if you want to be successful in school, get to know the custodian, right? Because they're going to be the ones who help you to open your locker and they're going to be the ones, you know, and obviously also, you know, you want to get to know just everybody and be respectful of everybody because they're there and they're part of things and, you know, they are humans and and all of that. Um, But I think that, you know, no, being friendly to people and, you know, to in, in, in a situation where you might need help, it, it doesn't feel as strange, right? Because you are the person who's smiling at people and who's, tr- you know, saying hi and who's, um, you know, and, and not everybody's comfortable doing that. But getting to the know the nurse at the health center going and saying hi or, you know, the person who runs the athletic center or just like making it known that you're there and that you see them. You know, a lot of people on campuses and everything are like to the majority a little bit invisible, I think. They get lost in the shuffle, you know. And, um, you know, if they're not a professor or they're not in the admissions or and I think that that showing that, you know, you that you you know, they're a part of the community and, you know, that they're important and everything. When Gabrielle left um, her college, she cried when she hugged the cafeteria mm. with the woman who, who, mm. who and I think part of that, you know, first of all, these people become like second mothers, you know, they're like familiar faces that they see every day and mm-hmm. there's a feeling of safety in that mm-hmm. but also I think with these kids with COVID you know she couldn't even go to the cafeteria for one at least one maybe one one and a half years of college because they all had to eat outside or right. bring the food back right so she had a new appreciation for right that right you know <laughs> I feel like um yeah so these people um not only is it making the the person who works their day, but it made my daughter's day to like have a familiar face every single day or maybe multiple times a day mm-hmm. seeing this person. It makes you feel a sense of belonging, a sense of safety. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I totally agree with that. Yeah. I, I mean, we have all these workers coming into our house and everything right now and it's such a pain and, and my kids know, you, you know, you say hello and you, you know, you, sometimes if they're here and it's hot or whatever, you ask if they want something or water or whatever. And, you know, it just is nice for people to know that you realize that they're working hard and they're here. And, you know, I just, that is a skill that I think is really, really important. You know, and again, I'm not saying like, you know, you don't have to hug everybody. You don't have to, none of those things, but a simple gesture like that, I think, and I think that's something you teach kids from a very young age, you know, just to, just that people know that you see them. And, and I think that makes all the difference in the world. And another, but another thing is, if you're not doing this now, you still can. Oh, of course. And that's the same thing with college. Like, um, my friend's, 20-year-old son, I think, complained to her about something she did as a mom. Like, she didn't cook enough meals or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, but you can fix that now. It's not over. They're, mm-hmm. Just because their childhood is over doesn't mean that maybe you want to make them more ne- meals now or whatever. Like, you don't have to look at it like if they haven't learned it by 18, then they're not learning it or I'm not teaching it. Like, these things can... Thank think, God. Right. But I, but I think that that's sort of how we think. It's like a cliff. It's like when they're not living at home anymore, you can't make up for any of the mistakes you made as a mom or you can't fill in any of the blanks. Right. Well, that's why there's only 18 summers. That whole thing Ugh. is such bullshit. You Awful. know, like, I mean, Hudson was literally home for four months this summer. Right. He got out of school April 27th and he was home until August 27th. Essentially. Right. 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 That's not the last summer of his life. Uh, he's 19. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Um, so I did, a, I, I researched, you know, things your kids should know before they go to college, because I think even some, look, some stuff you're not going to teach them when they're eight, nine, 10 years old. Some stuff in some ways you can start to get their feet wet with things. And the first one that I saw, which I loved, was how to apologize. Ooh. Right? 
Yeah. Like there were some that I skipped, you know, that I knew that like it's an obvious skill or but how to apologize. And I do think that holy shit. I mean, first of all, they say that the you know, the best way to teach your kids how to apologize is to apologize, right? As a parent, you know, you need to say sorry if you fuck up or they hear you apologize to somebody else, you know, or whatever. And not just like a sorry because you bumped into somebody in the grocery store, but a real significant apology. And I do think that that's something that people don't learn. And that is true to be able to, you know, if you're going to be forming these relationships and everything, um, you know, being able to admit you're wrong and say, sorry, I that's loved amazing. that. Yeah. Yes. Um, Obviously laundry, but you know. And people make such a big deal about laundry. You could teach it to them five minutes before they go. I mean, it's nice to teach them before, but like. Right, right. People make this big deal about it. But if, if God forbid your kid has never done laundry before, they can figure it out. Right. But yes, it's a good thing to know. Right. I know. And, and I do think that at home we teach them a certain way because like, you know, we want them to fold it the same way we do and whatever. But like if they throw it into their drawers, is it really the worst thing in the world? They have clean clothes. That's a plus. Mm-hmm. So um, how to listen to your body. You know, how to know when you need sleep. And I must say, with Mia, she texted me the other day and said, should I feel bad? You know, she made these, she had just made this, you know, this new group of friends and they were going to hang out in the afternoon and Mia was feeling overstimulated, overwhelmed and tired. And she said, and I want to go back to the room and rest, but I'm afraid, you know, I'm going to have FOMO if they're going. And I was like, no, no, no. You go back and rest, you know? I mean, that is... And I was just happy even that she thought of that, that she wasn't automatically like, oh my God, no, I, have, I need to go. And it is, you know, I think that we, when they're teenagers, you know, we we put so much emphasis on not being lazy and not, um, you know, not like being in bed too much or watching too much on your phone or whatever, but also... It's an important skill to know when it's time that you need to do that. I mean, college is no go, no, like no joke. You go and you're pushed into everything. And so feeling like you can miss out and, and go back and rest or go and do something that you need to do is really important. Like there will be other times to hang out. Right. Well, and think about that with peer pressure, you know, that extra shot of vodka that you say no to because, right. you know, it's just in general, like knowing, knowing your limits. Yeah. Yeah. Which may be different than your friends. Right. Right. But but I think that that fear of missing out is huge. And, you know, social media obviously makes it so much harder. But being able to say like, OK, yeah, I can miss out. There's going to be other things. You know, I don't have to go to everything. Um, know where the campus counseling center is, know where to get help, you know, know where those things are and that they exist and that they're there for you to utilize. I mean, that goes for high school and everything too, you know, just in general. I think a lot of people don't go to the guidance office or whatever because they're embarrassed or, but really, I mean, in some ways it's like it can be a blessing to have that there. I remember when Hudson last year was a freshman and he texts me, what am I allergic to again? Like it's some random antibiotic. It's and it's kind of recent. So he couldn't remember. And I'm like, why are you asking? And he's like, well, I'm at health services. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, and it ended up being nothing. And, and I was like, okay. But I remember texting you and being like, okay, he knows how to get to health services. Right. He didn't call me. He right. didn't text me. He just found his way. Yeah. He did whatever paperwork he had to. He remembered that he was allergic to something. Mm. Would have been better had he remembered what he was allergic to. But right. we're getting there. Yeah. And I was like, all right. So yeah. he, he can navigate that. That was really early. So right. I was like, okay, that's out of the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay, so this is a hard one for me to talk about, but how to stick to a budget. (laughs) (laughs) You know how I was talking before about like how you have other people to (laughs) help you with things and you send them to other places so that they can learn skills that they're not getting with you. Um, 
that would be one of those things that my kids are not learning well from me that, you know, but I have to say, um, you know, no matter, and they don't sponsor us that we, they used to, but they don't anymore. But, um, the green light card is, that really has helped us so much. And Mia just actually switched from it to something else when she was in college. And she also has worked. It's limited. So she knows a lot. She she's, does. She's earned a lot of money. She does. She has worked. Yeah. And she has, um, yeah, I mean, you know, she has saved some. It was the funniest thing. She and her two best friends had been like planning a road trip from the time they were in eighth grade. Did I tell you about this? No. So they started um, like a little account or I don't forget where they did it. But um, they so they were like, we're going to save and our summer after our senior year, we're going to go on this big road trip. So they started saving in eighth grade and <laughs> This summer, they had $120. <laughs> Among the three of them? In the joint bank account <laughs> for the road trip. <laughs> so they didn't go. Okay, they had something there at least. <laughs> I mean, uh, they could go to a movie five and years, see Barbie again. Five years, they had that account. <laughs> and all three of them work. Um, so, yeah. So, you know, again, green light card helped. Um, you know, obviously the financial financial literacy class at school at Mia's school helped um you know they're not always great but when they are it really helps also um like you said working having them have a job having them contribute to certain things um you know I am certainly not again the person to give any kind of budgeting advice but um there there were definitely things that helped um, and made it easier. And Greenlight Card was one. And um, I think, you know, them seeing sort of with work and, I, you know, at the end of the day, Mia would always be like, that's all I made. <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> you know, so you feel a little bit like when you're going to buy something like I worked exactly. seven hours for exactly. that. Yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. and another thing that we should talk about it. So have another um, podcast yeah. on. Because now Gabrielle is switching from college to work. Mm. And there's a whole new set, you know, retirement plans, health plans, you know, living in an apartment. Yeah. And, you know, for yeah. her navigating a city, like there's a whole nother group of things that, right. that they need to be prepared for. Right. right. Or figure out uh, as they're going through it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, it says here also how to find true friends and connect with people from all walks of life, which obviously, you know, is one of my favorite things to talk about how to find your people and everything in your your village so um you know I think one thing is that people need to realize when you first get to school and I remember very much my hallway in my freshman year like I made a few friends very very quickly because I think I was just desperate to make friends you know and they weren't we didn't click it wasn't necessarily like we were meant to be friends I just sort of had a time period where we were all sort of like awkward and didn't know anybody and then it switched but I think that that like that patience of okay I'm if I get there and I make friends maybe they're not going to be the best friends that I'm going to have all four years and everything you know maybe it's going to be that for a little while I'm just kind of hanging with people who like we're just you know nice to each other and everything it doesn't mean that they're going to be well you didn't even meet your best friend till junior year well, I met her sophomore year. Right. We roomed together starting in junior year. But I mean, yeah. that's another thing. Like, I didn't become close with one of my closest friends in college until junior year either. Yeah. And I think we forget that because, you know, like, I even, th- sometimes I have to think back and be like, oh, wow, you know, I was only friends with her half of college. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think our kids know that because we talk about things as the glory days so much and we don't right. get into the nitty right. gritty of it's like, so true. yeah, I didn't even meet her until, right. or actually we probably met each other, but we didn't become friends until right well and that was one thing about where I went to college and that was a really good lesson for me too and actually with high school with where we went to high school too you know it was a very mixed bag I knew that I was lucky on so many levels I mean I was in the middle of New York City you know I you know I say all the time my freshman year I had I looked outside of my window and I looked you know 
straight ahead and I had the Washington Square Park. I looked to the right. I had the Twin Towers back then. And I looked to the left and I had the, uh, the I was going to say the Eiffel fucking tower. <laughs> <laughs> the Empire State Building. Remember when Mia thought the electric. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> she's so, come a long she way, She has baby. come a long way. Although she's still my, I don't know. Um, but, you know, I just, I knew. But socially it was rough. You know, it was, I definitely had to take the good with the bad. And, and I think that 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 was also a big lesson, right? Nothing is perfect. Nothing is 100%. I mean, socially, for me, NYU kind of sucked, besides the fact that I made my best friends. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I had you and Gideon around the, you know, not around the corner, 10 blocks away. That was amazing. kind of like around the corner in the city. Yeah, and we became unbelievably close, you know? So there was the benefit of, you know, maybe had I had a really awesome social life there, I wouldn't have. You would have blew us off. I would have blown you off and we wouldn't have gotten really, really close. Um, but I think that. Yeah, but that's you would have still th- needed us to pay for everything. So yeah, we would have I know. Been fine. We, uh, we, I would have. <laughs> um, so I think that that also is a big lesson that, you know, obviously in life also, but that you, you need to still look around and appreciate everything and know that y- no matter where you choose to go, you're going to take the bad with the good, you know, that it, nothing is all a hundred percent good. And, you know, it might be that some of the professors aren't amazing, or it might be that, you know, it doesn't have the athletics that you hoped it had or whatever it is. I think that knowing that there's going to be sacrifices no matter where you go. Right. And you're going to get there and you're going to get to school. And I remember at NYU and all my, my friends, you know, were at these small liberal arts schools, you know, having a great time going to fraternity parties and this and that. I remember being like, maybe I made a mistake. But then I remember also being like, well, wait a minute. I'm also waking up and going for my first class to the Metropolitan Museum of Art or, you know, to Broadway or that, you know, like, okay, it's worth it. So, you know, those are all things I think you need to keep in mind also. I mean, same thing with our house right now. <laughs> you know, we're very much like in a mixed bag of, all right, we're trying to figure out how to function without like a garage and, a you know, much storage and all this stuff. But we're in an awesome location. Oh, my God. It's like it's like a movie scene. Driving yeah, that's here. what Adam I always says. Oh. But, you know, again, not a, the perfect situation, but. It's great. I so. have a I have a sign at my house. It doesn't have to be perfect to be wonderful. Mm, I love that. Right, and yeah. that's like it's it's we just have to remind ourselves of that. Totally, it doesn't have to be perfect to be wonderful. I love that, and it also doesn't have to be wonderful. I mean, right, it can be just kind of good, but right. <laughs> like you just take what you can take at that moment. But yeah, but I think over the course of four years, you'll have enough wonderful. But there will be. I mean, I don't think I've spoken to anybody who didn't have some sort of social struggle in college, whether it's friendships breaking up or romantic relationships breaking up or struggling academically. I mean, there's a lot to. Yeah. And you can always transfer. You can always transfer. Yeah. All right. You have anything else before we uh, we go? Oh, Oh, you want to plug your uh, sub stack, which is so amazing. Sure. Oh, my God. If you guys are not getting her newsletter, you're missing out. Because let me tell you, talk about small moments in life that you make into like these important lessons. Holy shit. You can make anything so freaking relatable. (laughs) Like literally you wrote something about going bed shopping with Gabrielle and it's you could have never gone bed shopping in your life. But all of a sudden you're it's life changing to you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just trying to find out what how do you find me on something? So it's. Is it just Amy Alpert? Hold on. It's Toward a Fulfilling Life. Okay. That's the name of it. And Amy Alpert. And I'm just trying to think. We'll put it in the show notes, Yeah, yeah, too. yeah. We'll put it in the show notes. But Alpert. if you don't know anything about Substack, which I so know Substack, I need to start learning about Substack. Substack is amazing. It's sort of like right now, let's hope it doesn't go downhill. But right now, it's not being owned by anybody tyrannical. <laughs> and it is... Um, it's a place where writers can go support other writers, but you can follow these writers. Sometimes you pay, sometimes you don't depending on the writer, or you can have an unpaid subscription and not have access to certain paid things, but it's a way to support writers. Mine right now is all unpaid. Um, And you can share information, you can follow people. And so it's sort of like a combination of social media and the old blogging Mm -hmm. websites of Mm -hmm. the past 
So it's great for people to, if you want to follow someone who you really like, like, um, um, I'm trying to think of it. Uh, there's so many people, but there's, there's famous celebrities that are on there and authors. And then there's just like regular people like me. And, um, I just love it because you can comment. So, you know, I used to send out newsletters and it would go in your inbox. So there was really, it was really hard to have conversation like social media allows, you know, like you have such good relations with all of your Instagram followers because people can write back and comment and, and that's really mm -hmm. nice. So you, with Substack, you'll get the newsletter, but you can also comma, comment on it, see other people's thoughts. So it's sort of a way to build community around blogging. Okay. Versus like, you know, a post, an Instagram post. Right. So it's, a, it's, yeah, you know. I mean, by, I mean, a hundred percent, everybody who joins your, you know, your, uh, well, subscribes to your yeah. newsletter. Why yeah. am I blanking? Substack subscriber. That's sort of what yeah. From. They're yeah. they're like, oh my gosh, that uh, that she is. You know, her newsletters are like amazing, and they are. They really oh, are. You, you are amazing at it. So yeah, we'll put the link. Definitely, definitely follow. And you know, it's free. And um, it sounds like maybe also it leads you to other people who you also might want to follow and become part of the community. I know you're gonna have to give me a big lesson on Substack. So. Oh yeah. So yeah, totally. Not hard. Well, thanks, Aim. This was so nice. I it's know. Been a long time. I know. And everyone should follow you on Instagram at Amy Alpert Life, Life Coach. Coach. Yep. Oh, I got it right. All right. Well, thanks. And thanks, everybody, for all your support when we were taking Mia. I mean, you guys sent so many messages. And, um, you know, I was so grateful. It really did help. And I will keep everybody updated on her. Um, her you know her time there and maybe she'll do an episode when she comes home oh, for thanksgiving or something yeah. yeah i know we will see her i guess parents weekend is like the end of october so so weird like i keep thinking it's she's just at sleepaway camp and she's gonna be back in a few weeks because right. right now she basically is at sleepaway camp until yeah. classes start tomorrow they've been roller skating and oh. you know doing all these it's that orientation you know they're trying to just get everybody to bond so tomorrow she's gonna be you know into the real world of, of college which is not of the college world. taking interesting <laughs> classes yeah, that totally. you want to take and all of that all right guys um rate and review if you can on apple and or spotify um and don't forget about date night questions if you haven't gotten them there's still time this summer to do them those are awesome by the I way know, i love our date night questions thank you um and that's it have a great week thanks so much for listening thank you